0: let's jump into god's word this morning part four of the series called um uh back to my bible all right and if you have testimony of what god has been teaching you through this write it down text it to the to the number the church number so that we can have a record of it so that we can share it with other people uh and we based this entire series around one passage of scripture one passage of scripture we did start with the previous verse but today let me just for paucity of time let me just focus on verse 16 of second second timothy chapter 3 Uh, all scripture is inspired by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training in righteousness so that the man of god may be adequate Equipped for every good work. That's a scripture that is based on this and we learn learned four things number one It educates us about God's purpose and will for our lives and number two It confronts us when we drift away from his ways and number three It counsels us back to his ways and the fourth and the best thing is it coaches us or trains us to stay on track So today we want to focus on the word training on the word training training habit discipline this is a very important integral word to the disciple of Christ why that's what we're going to look at today so these four parts are all available on our crimson channel and if you want to go back and you've missed the previous ones or you want to share it it's all there Uh, it's always best to hear all three all four of them together so the bible coaches us in successful living Uh, let's talk about training let's talk about coaching Okay, let me take you to a passage of scripture and then we'll break it up for you. Titus, Titus chapter 2 verse 11, 12 and 13 says this. For the grace of God, underline grace of God. That's the grace enabling. This is not the grace of, of covering for sin. There are four or five different meanings of the word grace, charis, in the word in Greek. This charis, grace or uh, grace enabling, has different functions and the grace enabling of God has appeared doing two things. number one, bringing salvation so it's a it's a functional uh, grace, it is a dynamic grace, it is a potent grace uh, bringing salvation for all people and number two training us, training us to do what to renounce ungodliness, to renounce worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Okay, break it up. Start again. The grace of God has appeared. It's come. It's here. It's here. It's available. The grace of God has appeared. Now, what is this grace of God doing? It is bringing salvation. It is bringing salvation. The grace of God brings salvation to a heart, knocks on that heart's door. And that heart opens and the grace of God is received the grace of God bringing salvation to all people once a person receives this grace receives the enabling of God's grace to to reach back out to God to find forgiveness to respond to God's correction etc then the training begins the training begins verse 12 training us to number one give it up give up the the nonsense, let go of the sin in our life, the ungodliness, renounce it, walk away, cold turkey, walk away. None of this nonsense slowly kind of let go, go from 10 cigarettes to five cigarettes, five cigarettes to two cigarettes. That's not the process you use with sin. It's cold turkey. You walk away. Renounce ungodliness. Number two, renounce worldly passions. Worldly passions. That means the appetites of the believer and the appetites of the unbeliever need to be in contrast to each other. They need to be in contrast. And the third is to live self-controlled slash upright slash godly lives. These are all three synonyms. They are self uh, to live self controlled means to live upright, means to live godly lives in this present age. So, why training? Why training? Because, as a disciple of Christ, why write, write this down number one, you are a soldier in battle. You are a soldier in battle. Two words very important two words in the military, in the defense alertness and defense, alertness and defense, both of these depend on training, depend on training. This doesn't come from natural giftedness, from ethnic background, from age, from physical competence. This comes from sheer training, the ability to be alert, discern, the ability to be defensive, to, to defend, to to uh, to respond in defense. This comes from training. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, 3, 4. You therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier. I repeat, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier. Good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So if you're in the army, all you care about is the rules of the game. And winning the war the rules of the game and winning the war you have one boss your commander-in-chief if you are in the army you have one uniform you have one boss you have one voice commanding you you are not open to public opinion you are not open to the general feel. you are not open to fashion <laughs> Army guy doesn't change his uniforms. Oh, but that's the latest fashion. He's going to get hammered. An army person is diligent. An army person is alert. An army person is trained for defense. So he does not entangle himself with the waywardness of civil life. The waywardness and the change and the uh, the flux of civilian life. He is not entangled with every and embroiled with every controversy in the civilian world. He is cut off from that and his his face is toward the enemy. His ears are peeled to the commander-in-chief and he is listening to his commander-in-chief. Every morning, he's a soldier in battle. My brothers and sisters, have a soft loving heart towards the world, but have a militant heart. When it comes to your discipline in Christ. When it comes to your walk with God, have a militant heart. Have a heart that's that's your ears that are peeled to the voice of Christ. You can have no entanglements. Entanglements. He does not entangle himself with the affairs of his of this life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him. Okay, so why training? Because as a soldier, as a, as a, as a disciple of Christ, you are a soldier in battle. Why training? Because as a, as a disciple of Christ, you are an athlete in a race. You're an athlete in a race. Not athlete, it's athlete in a race. Two words for a, for an athlete is endurance and stamina. Endurance and stamina. Both these depend on training. Stamina comes from training. Endurance comes from training. Some would argue they both are the same thing, but I leave that to you. 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verse 25. Everyone who competes, I repeat, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Are you in the game? Are you in this race? Are you here to please Christ? So what's the training that you're putting in? Who are you going to for the coaching? How much time have you you set apart to be invincible in your walk with God? How is your life structured? How is your schedule structured to ensure that as a soldier of Christ, you are alert, you are in defense, you are enduring, and you have stamina. Why endurance and stamina? Because a race is long, a race is long. This is not a hundred meter sprint. This is, not a, this is not even a 400 meter. This is a marathon. This is not even a half marathon. This is a long, full marathon. And in a marathon, it's not the speed. It's not the speed. It's not the style. It's endurance. And some of your lives feel like that, doesn't it? It feels like I'm running, I'm running alone, no one's watching. And when no one is watching and I'm running alone, I feel like giving up. I forget I'm in the marathon. I forget what I need is stamina, what I need is endurance. But that endurance comes from training. You don't train, you will give up. Did you hear me, my brothers? If you don't train... You will give up. So, if you have given up, it's not because you're a bad person, it's because there's no investment in training, in discipline, in gymming. You are an athlete in a race. Keywords endurance, stamina. Number three, you are an ambassador on duty. You are an ambassador on duty, always ready to negotiate for peace, to speak for hope. This comes from training. This uh, this comes from recognizing a situation. This comes from being able to be diplomatic, diplomatic, to be able to learn how to make peace. This This comes from years of training. Training, training, training. Listen to the message God is saying to you today. Not from inspiration. Everybody thinks you can go to worship concerts and get inspired to walk with God. No, it doesn't. Listen to worship music, you'll feel better. No, it doesn't. You'll still give up and you'll wonder what happened to all that worship music. What about inspiring sermons? What about some good old sermons? Not just one. Let's listen to two, three sermons. Mm, No, that doesn't work. Training is personal. Personal. Training is is, is dedicated. It's disciplined. Training takes time. Training is on your own between you, God, and and his word. It's you on your own. It's your dedication to the word, your dedication to prayer, your dedication to uh, to to saying no to sin, your dedication to staying focused in the things you do with your life, how you spend your time, how you spend your energy with your life. You're an ambassador on duty, but in in your hearts, it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, revere Christ as Lord in the in the version which I learned when I was growing up, it says set Christ apart as Lord. Revere Christ as Lord. What does that mean? Why does it even have to say that? It's because I revere so many other things. I want to have many gods. I want to have Jesus. I want to have my career. I want to have my my promotion at my career. I want to have the applause and validation at my career. I want to have my love life. I want to have my indulgences. And then they're all there on my little shrine. On my little shrine. That I worship every day. I have Jesus there. Of course, Jesus, don't feel bad. You're there. I also have my other little gods and goddesses. No, no, no. No, no, no. 1 Peter, he says, but in your hearts, that's the shrine. Revere Christ as Lord. Revere Christ, set Christ apart as Lord. And where there is a Lord, there is nothing else. There's no one else. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give you the reason for the hope that you circle have, circle have. Didn't think that would be the most important word, did you? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason to give a reason for the hope that you have, circle have. So it takes training, my brothers and sisters, to give an answer. You don't know the answers to everything. There are fundamental questions in our faith to which we don't know the answers. If I was to poke you right now, you wouldn't be able to come up with an answer for it. What is the meaning of the gospel? What does it mean that Jesus is Lord? What does it mean that Christ's atonement is enough? What does it mean uh, when you say that... uh, for, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain what does a believer believe about life death and beyond what is the scope of salvation did Jesus Christ die for everybody or did he die for those for who will believe only fundamental questions I could go on To give a hope, uh, to give a reason for the hope that you have. Number one, to give an answer. And number number two, to give a reason. It takes training. It takes training. We want to train in Sunday school. We want to train in youth fellowship. We want to train in men's groups, women's groups. We want to train at church. We want every part of our ministry to be training. Not inspiration, but instruction. Not inspiration, but instruction. You don't become a soldier by inspiration. You become a soldier by instruction and by discipline and by habit and by authority and by sweat and blood and tears. That's what makes you a soldier. There are two outcomes to being that disciplined, to being that committed to training. Number one, training brings maturity. Training brings maturity. What does maturity do? Look at what Hebrews 5 says. But solid food is for the mature. Solid food is for the mature. Meat. Milk is for babies. Meat is for the mature. Solid food is for the mature. How are they mature? Who by constant use. Who by constant use. There you have it. Have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil to train themselves to distinguish between good and evil, to distinguish good from evil. Wow. Solid food is what gives me the strength to learn how to wield my weapon. It is a mature person who can handle a knife, not a baby, a weapon of warfare. You don't put guns in the hands of children. Solid food is for the mature. Who by practice, by constant use, have trained themselves to figure out what's good, what's evil, what's good, what's evil, what's of God, what's not of God, who's of God, who's not of God, what sounds like God, what doesn't sound like God, what looks like God working, what doesn't look like God working. To be able to mark that God is at work here, to be able to mark God's presence and to be able to mark a satanic presence, a satanic uh, strength, a satanic uh, divisiveness or a uh, a deception. It is a person who's trained, a person who's filled with, has been giving, putting good food in his soul, the the food of the Word of God in his soul. He's been feeding himself meat and not milk. He's the one who's able to tell when Satan's taking his trip. He's the one who's able to tell when Satan is actively at work around him. Because Satan is an angel from heaven, Satan is an angel of light. Satan is not different from the other angels in heaven. He has not grown horns. He is not dressed in red. He does not have a pitchfork. He looks and sounds like every other angel in heaven. But he is evil. Satan is not the enemy of God. He is the creation of God that has been despised and rejected by God. So he is steaming mad and he doesn't have a shot at deliverance or redemption, but you do. So he hates you. He hates your guts because you look like Jesus. And he wants to destroy what he can touch, which is you, because he can't touch Jesus. And a mature believer knows what's coming his way and he can sense that this is of the devil and he can sense that this is of God. And why does it need discernment? Because both come in the form of light. Both look like truth. Both look convincing. Both look good. If it was black and white, we wouldn't have had an issue. If it was all good, If it all looked good, that's when you need discernment. And discernment comes not from inspiration and singing long, long songs and raising your hand in the air. Please, by all means, do that as an outcome. But that's not the training. That's not the training. That's not the... uh, Worship is is the medal distribution ceremony. But it's the hard hours of training that a soldier puts in. Many, many years of it. That results in the... Medal distribution ceremony. My brothers and sisters by constant use have trained themselves. Underline that. You are responsible not me. You are responsible for your training, for your strength, for your standing firm in the gospel, for your standing firm. You work all alone and you're the only believer in your school, in your own, in your office. Well, You have all you need. You have the armor of God. You have the name of God. You've got angels by your side. You've got the the, the Holy Spirit inside you. You've got Jesus on the outside of you. You've got God in heaven commanding your destiny. You've got everything you need. Stand. Stand. Stand firm. Not inspiration. Inspiration. But instruction, solid food. Training begin, brings maturity. The second outcome that training brings is righteousness. Hebrews chapter 12. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. No discipline seems pleasant. When you're being corrected, it hurts. It hurts like crazy. It's painful. But later on, later on, it produces a harvest Circle harvest, a harvest of righteousness and a harvest of peace. That's when the peace comes. Peace knows. Uh, peace comes when you know you've put in the hard work. You know you've trained. You know that God's on your side. Harvest of righteousness, harvest of peace for those who have been circle trained by it, trained by it. There's no place for feelings here, for for inspiration, for artistry and. F- and, 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 you know, fee, and this these passing waves of, of sensory feelings. And it's no, no, you can't feel what God is doing. It's instructional. It's there. It's, it's in your face. Do it. Obey it. So what is the outcomes of training? It brings maturity and it brings righteousness. Listen to me as I close. Alert, mature, ready, unencumbered. Having an endurance, clear, consistent, that's what comes from maturity. What is the outcome of a disciple who is trained by God's word? Number one, he fulfills his purpose for which he was created. A soldier fulfills his purpose. An ambassador fulfills his purpose. A runner fulfills, an athlete fulfills his purpose. He finishes the race. And number two, everything finds its purpose in God. Finds his purpose in God. Don't give up. Don't fall away. Don't slow down. Don't wimp out. What's going to ensure that you don't do that? Training. How much of your time in the week is, is, is has been set aside for training? You decide. You know. What is at stake? What is at risk? When you neglect spiritual training, you won't know when a lie hits you between the eyes. Satan will take your trip for years and you won't even know. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says this for everything and absolutely everything got started in him. Everything got started and finds its purpose in him. A believer begins to understand, a soldier, a runner begins to understand only one, one goal, one goal, just one goal. One goal. And it's one master. Not me. It's him. Not me, it's him. A believer begins to live his life only for one person's pleasure. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10, God is the one who made all things and all things are for his glory. God is the one who made all things and all things are for his glory. You are part of what God made. You are for his glory, not for your glory, but for his glory. If you have been living for your glory, start with repentance, move into correction, get back into the system. Get your Get, that doesn't mean you leave a job. That doesn't mean you, you don't don't uh, aim for excellence. These are not what I'm talking about. It's a heart issue. The question is, who's, who's, who's taking the glory, the credit for your life? God is the one who made all things and all things are for his glory. Successful living. Successful living is effectively living God's purposes. And the gospel is the comprehensive putting right of everything that has gone wrong. It's about forgiving and starting over. It's about forgiving and starting over. Two very important things I want to leave you with. Successful living and the gospel. Successful living is effectively living for God's purpose. How do you define success? Success is defined by who you're walking with success is defined by who you're walking with maybe you've never heard this definition before success is not a pinnacle success is not a destiny success is defined by who you're walking with so it really depends on which world you live in if you live in the if you live in the um, in the world of stars and of you know of uh, actors and whatnot if you walk among stars if you walk among stars you're successful If you walk among giants, you're successful. If you're into business and money, if you walk among millionaires, you're successful. If you walk among icons, you're successful. If you walk among the elite, you're successful. It really depends on what you're gunning for in life. And then when you get to the company of those who have gotten what you're dreaming of, you consider that success. Spiritually successful living, godly living, is living in the company of God, fulfilling the purposes of God, and always walking with God. The gospel is the comprehensive putting right. That means basically forgiving and starting over. Do you know my dear brother and sister? Do you know that some of you sitting here listening to me, and maybe uh, later you're listening to me, you're not sure if you're forgiven. You're not sure if you're forgiven. And the reason you're not sure is because you sinned again. I want to tell you this morning that Christ's forgiveness is a one-time forgiveness. And Christ's sense of forgiveness is an everyday, every sin interaction. That means God granted you forgiveness in Christ. But every time you come and you say sorry, God says, I forgive you. But he only says I forgive you when you say sorry. And he only you only feel forgiven when he says I forgive you. So you're not going to feel forgiven until you say you're sorry. And you're not going to say sorry until you recognize that which is wrong in your life. When is the last time you fell on your knees and you said sorry to God? A long time ago. If that's true of me, then it means that in that long period of time, I have not seen anything wrong with my life. Ooh! In all that period of time, I have not seen anything wrong with my life. And that is idolatry. Because we are always falling short. We're always uh, missing the, the mark. We need to say sorry. We need to confess our sins. Confession is good for the soul. So when I confess my sin to God, I say sorry. He says I'm forgiven. When he says I'm forgiven, I feel forgiven. When I feel forgiven, I'm able to walk in his love. Some of you do not feel forgiven. You need to come to Christ. And you need to receive forgiveness from Christ. In Christ, we have everything we need, everything we're living for. So let me tell you one last time as I close what it means to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because some of you have never done that. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is what it means. Christ has authority to forgive all sin. Christ has authority to forgive all sin, not religion, Not any leader, not any uh, philanthropist or, or philosopher. Jesus Christ has the authority to forgive sin. When you come to him, he offers you that forgiveness. When you receive that offer of forgiveness based on his offer and his atoning work, that is activated in your life. So when you trust and when you take the offer, it is activated in your life. And the forgiveness that he offers is now yours. And you can start afresh, start anew, start again. If you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what you need to do is believe that he has been given the authority to forgive your sin. Nobody else and nothing else matters right now. Your destiny is the most important thing. If you are forgiven of your sin you will spend the rest of eternity with God in heaven. If you are not forgiven of your sin, you will not spend the rest of eternity with God in heaven. If you were to die tonight, you will not go to be with God in heaven. God is more serious about this than you and I. And all you need to do is humble yourself and recognize that you are in need of forgiveness. And you also ought to recognize that Christ is the one who's been authorized to forgive. So when you go to him and you receive forgiveness from Jesus Christ, Jesus lords over your life and protects it. Jesus lords over your life and protects it. He comes over you as a covering and the blood of Jesus Christ washes you clean of your sin. This is the gospel. And as I speak it, The gospel, the Holy Spirit knocks on your door, ripping your heart open and spreading and shining the light of Jesus and revelation into your heart. And if that's happening to you right now, receive Jesus as Christ and Lord in your life. Activate his forgiveness in your life by acknowledging that he has the authority and that he has that you accept his offer and make him the commander in chief of your life for the remainder of your days. I promise you this one thing, you will see Jesus, you will meet Jesus and you will spend the rest of eternity with Jesus and your eternal life begins now and every day of your life is the first day of eternity. You will not enter into an eternal life after you die, you enter into eternal life now. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who believes in me has passed from death unto life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 24. Now is the day of salvation. Will you give your life to Jesus? I plead with you to get right with God. I plead with you to give your life to Christ. Your eternity depends on that one decision. dear Father in heaven, I fight for the souls of men. I fight for the souls of men, O God. And if there are any unsaved here listening to the sound of my voice, Spirit of the living God, tear that curtain from top to bottom and come flooding in with your grace and your mercy and your love and your revelation of of the person of Christ that they may find in the face of Jesus The wisdom and the knowledge and the forgiveness that is from God. Open their eyes. We are not those who came to faith by reason or by research. We come to faith by revelation. It is not because we comprehend, it is not because we choose to respond, it is because you choose that we respond. It is not in our hands. You choose that we respond. Even that choice is yours, O God. So I plead with you for the souls of men. For those in my community who have not yet given their life to Christ and their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I plead with you for their souls. And I plead that they will be saved. I plead with you for for our family members, our sons and our daughters, our husbands and our wives, I plead with you for our colleagues who rub shoulders with us every day. I plead with you for the millions in Delhi who are yet to know of the joy and the grace of God that is found in the face of our loving Lord Jesus. I plead with you for the salvation of our world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send him son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him should be saved. For God is in us appealing to the world that they should come to Christ, that they should be right with God. Oh God, do your work. Choose that people should be saved. Allow them to have faith and bring them to saving grace. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you have made that decision today, it is an eternal decision. It is a spiritual decision. It is a powerful decision. You need to let me know about it. And training must begin. Training must begin. Discipleship must begin. Uh, Fellowship must begin. Do not be a namesake Christian. Do not be a traditional Christian. Do not be a namesake Christian. Be a disciple of Jesus on nothing at all. I plead with you, I implore you, the day is coming when Christ is coming soon and by, and, and, and we have a, a limited time. May the Lord bless you, may the Lord give you uh, grace, may He shower His His peace upon your life. jeremy dawson and if you liked what you just saw if it was a blessing then hit the subscribe button come on you could do it hit the subscribe button uh hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us lots of videos coming your way songs worship encouragement come on subscribe let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know right a comment in the section below but let's see you guys again come on subscribe